Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Technology often progresses faster than the law can keep up with, and there isn't a better example for that in the film business than when it comes to drones. But the FAA, the body governing the use of drones, looks to be making a step in the right direction with a proposal that was released last week. Steven Schlanker is back on the show to talk the proposal and the benefits of this new technology. Lights, camera, podcast. This is Zach on Film. aircraft must weigh less than 55 pounds visual line of sight only daylight only operational hours maximum airspeed of 100 miles an hour maximum altitude of 500 feet minimum weather visibility of three miles those are just some of the limitations that have been proposed by the faa for the unmanned aerial vehicles or drones as we will generally call them they've been popularized recently for amateur videographers and all the way up to film crews Uh, these cheap alternatives to helicopters and airplanes uh, are, are really a step in the indie kind of direction low budget films that the industry has really been looking for but they've been met with some hesitation by the faa and some governing bodies uh, there's no better person than I know of to talk about this than Steven Schleicher. We've brought this topic up of drones every once in a while on the main run of Zach on film. We talk about aerial shots and how uh, I thought, you know, helicopters are great, but if you get them too low to the ground, the propellers are going to kick up a lot of dust and it kind of just ruins the shot, especially for, I mean, when you're looking for it, you're going to see the dust fly up. It kind of just ruins the shot because you're imagining this, this, and this camera just flying through the air, and when there's dust being thrown up by a helicopter, you know, it kind of ruins the illusion. But thanks to drones, these lightweight things you can attach a, you know, a, a decent sized camera to, depending how big your drone is, you can get that shot. It's not going to really disturb the ground at all, and it'll be pulled off nicely for a heck of a lot less money. So the FAA did pass or propose, I would say, some regulations that could possibly come about in the next year that people see in the right direction for the legislation of this drone technology. So Stephen and I sat down, had a nice little chat about the proposed FAA plans and just the benefits of drones in general. Drones are kind of a big deal right now. They're yes. opening up avenues of different filmmaking and right. shots and uh, reducing costs. Well, and I, th- I think that's the biggest thing because you have to realize um, to go out right now and rent a helicopter, a pilot, <laughs> a gyro cam system mm-hmm. that's mounted on the outside of the helicopter, the camera operator, who is not the same as your DP, right? right? Um you're looking at upwards of, well, you're looking at $8,000 plus a day mm-hmm. to go get those aerial sure. shots. and you have to be in a place to actually get a helicopter. Because right. out here in, hel- in western Kansas, if you want to get an aerial shot, I don't know how you're going to do it. Yeah, and, you have to get a for plane western, or something. For western Kansas, yes. And so there are planes that you yeah. can rent to. But you're still looking at, uh, at around, uh, from the numbers that I looked, anywhere from $125 to $500 per hour. 
And there's usually a minimum of two or three hours Mm -hmm. uh, for this. So there was a UK website that I was looking at um, that was talking about how it was... Was it 1,200 pounds for two hours? Oh, geez. And then it was another 50 pounds for every six minutes that you went over that two hours, though they suggested people book a three hours with them uh, for much, much higher rate. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. here you have $8,000 a day to go out and do a shot up, up the side of the mountain, and there's probably gas that you also probably will have to uh, factor into that cost. Sure. And if you're shooting in Alaska or wherever, let's say you're shooting up in Washington State, and you have to get a crew or equipment there, there's additional cost to get that helicopter out to that area you Mm -hmm. want to shoot in. So Mm -hmm. it is extremely expensive to go out and do any kind of aerial work. Um, So when you have these drones, when you have uh, the unarmed uh, unmanned vehicles, (laughs) they say unarmed, when you have these unarmed, uh, unmanned vehicles, um, the cost drops tremendously. Mm -hmm. You can go out, and, and I've got two of these systems, uh, that I bought specifically for doing aerial footage, mm-hmm. um, but more on that later. Um, and I paid for both of them over the last couple of years, probably four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I can go out anytime I want. Yep, I can shoot anytime I want, and I'm not paying eight thousand dollars per pop. Mm-hmm. So for an independent filmmaker, for low budget filmmakers, being able to go out and rent one of these for one hundred and twenty five dollars total for the day, or five hundred for the day. Or if you're a, a, if you need the shot of the car approaching a house, having these drones is a huge benefit right. for, the, for the for the low budget filmmaker. Absolutely, but they've been kind of met with some hesitation through some concerned public figures, and then a lot of uh, like government legislations where it's a, a clear example of regulations not keeping up the advancement of technology. Well, and that's always, that's always the biggest problem, right. right? I mean, that's the problem with the whole discussion about the internet. Sure. Is we need faster service, but the government isn't willing to step in and say, hey, companies, come on, mm-hmm. we, we demand this kind of a service. Um, I have read the the comments from, quote unquote, concerned government officials. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times these concerns are over privacy rights issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the one, I think was it the one from Alaska, where he was basically like, uh, go out and shoot drones. That's that's what you need to do. And another one, um, I forget where he was from, was offering $100 for every drone that you shoot out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, that can actually get you into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, there's a big discussion over airspace mm-hmm. and how high up airspace goes. Back in the day, it was you owned everything from the ground to the heaven. It was called the, uh, the Castle Law, I believe is what mm. it was called. But when airplanes came into existence, then we lowered that. And you have a bunch of different class systems for um, the heights of operating um, aircraft, Mm -hmm. whether they have passengers or not, commercial grade, personal, whatever. And uh, so just going out into your backyard and taking a pop shot at a drone is more than likely going to get you in more trouble than you protecting your rights. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that the government says is that there has to be a clear and present danger, essentially. Uh, you have to feel threatened by one of these drones. Um, and that's a lot different than, well, this is flying over my property, therefore it's my right to go and mm-hmm, shoot these down. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would agree with you that the, and this has been going on for four or five years now, yeah. maybe even longer than that, but really about five years is w- since it's been on my radar and there's a big discussion going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the government has been really lax and really slow in coming up with regulations. Um, to the extent where uh, the university has a fleet of drones that they were using for their um, agriculture program. Right. Yeah, they're, they're big out in 
uh, Western yes. Kansas now? Yes, yes, they are. And but because of the, uh, f- I think it was a federal mandate that basically said, if you are a f- um, if you're a for profit business, it's illegal for you to fly these drones. Mm-hmm. You, you're, it's illegal to fly these drones for profit. Well, right. the university is a for profit organization, which means that the university had to ground its entire fleet, mm-hmm. which means that they couldn't go do research, they right. couldn't go out and do um, aerial photography, anything like that. Because of that very broad right. uh, restriction. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't work at the university anymore. The person who was in charge of that program unfortunately passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't been in contact with their um, geosciences department to find out whether their, um, their UAVs are still grounded or not. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, but it's a problem. I, I really do think it's a, that it's a problem uh, with this. Yeah. And uh, people are concerned about how it affects... Uh, you know, uh, uh, Hollywood productions and uh, small photographers or just uh, videographers, uh, hobbyists in general. Uh, and so they were really concerned as legislation started being passed and proposed that seemed very restrictive on what people are going to do. They got banned at all the national parks. Right. So, uh, yes, they've been banned yeah. at national parks. And in fact, there are a lot of rules that I didn't even realize going into that um, and these were rules that are already in place for decades now mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I bought my drone because I wanted to go and do some aerial photography of wheat fields and basically, you know, Western Kansas stuff, stuff for yeah. B-roll for mm-hmm. uh, stock footage libraries that people could use in sure. their projects. Turns out it is totally illegal for you to shoot a farm of any type. It is illegal for you to shoot a stockyard of any type, whether really? that be with a UAV or simply parked along the side of the road, huh. whipping out your camcorder and shooting that. Very strange. Yeah, this is this is some. There are some weird regulations, um, and it was brought to my attention like right after I bought my first drone. And they're like, "Well, you know, you can't go out and shoot, you know, the land." This was the problem that geosciences had because they huh. were going out and helping farmers, saying, "Well, here's how you should do your irrigation and all mm-hmm. this stuff." And they were they were also told, "This is illegal for you to do, even with the farmer's permission." Wow. The reason for that is because, and there's a long documentation, and this may, and we'll get into my conspiracy theory here in a moment, <laughs> um, but, um, you know, there have been uh, uses of drones that have been used to show poor stark stockyard conditions. Mm-hmm. There have been footage of um, farmland that is being misused sure. or used for illegal dumping or sure. chemicals or whatever that you yeah. want to do. And so th- these regulations were put into place to stop people from being whistleblowers, mm-hmm. right? And flying mm-hmm. over a stockyard. And of course, those people would also say that, oh, well, we don't want people flying over the stockyard because it's going to upset the cattle or the uh, the herd or whatever. Sure, or one could that... fall out of the sky and their batteries will die and it'll hurt one of our stock or something. I don't know. One uh, of those I'm things. not sure that I would. Personally, I watch the, I watch the battery level yeah. intently when I am flying. Yeah. Because we're talking about a $2,000 sure. system. And that's for mine. Now, yeah. um, the university, the department that I used to be chair for, recently just bought an S nine hundred, which is a huge uh, six w- copter, six propeller system mm-hmm. uh, to the tune of like ten, twelve thousand dollars. And so I've I've flown that system for them multiple times, and I'm white knuckling it the entire time because <laughs> I am so scared that something is going to happen to that thing that will cause harm to somebody, that will cause property damage, or put the people that I am doing work for in a bad light. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so I th- I'm glad that there are some regulations that are putting, being put into place in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there there have been regulations around for longest times of what you can and can't do with aerial photography or even just shooting on the side of the road of, of, uh, of land. So you have to be aware of those kinds of mm-hmm. things. A lot of these are just off the books and I know – or not off the books, but they're so they're buried so far down that ignorance of the law is no excuse kind of a defense sure. uh, there. So um, I am glad that the FAA has come up with a system of proposals – uh, going forward mm-hmm. for for un, un, unmanned vehicles. Yeah, and so uh, this last weekend, these proposals started coming out. They're not going to be in effect for a while, but there are certainly more positive uh, uh, than people assumed the FAA would be putting out because there was these talk of actually, like a pilot license at one point, well, but that has been what, kind of dropped. No, not not necessarily. If you look at it, um, operators, and this is this is the uh, the FAA's. Um, Proposal. Operators mm-hmm. would be required to pass an initial aeronautical knowledge test at an FAA-approved knowledge testing center. Sure. That's basically your first testing thing that you do for a pilot. Okay. So it's it's fairly basic. Uh, then you have to be vetted by the TSA, which right. means you have to have a background check. Sure. Which, who wants to do that, right? Yeah. Uh, obtain an unmanned aircraft operator certificate with a small UAS rating, mm-hmm. which means you have, that's a license. Yeah. Okay. Pass a, recruit, uh, a recurrent aeronautical knowledge test every 24 months, so you have to go back and get your license renewed. Mm-hmm. You have to be at least 17 years old. You have to make available to the FAA upon a crest the small UAS for inspection or testing or any associate documents records required to keep under the under the proposed r- rule that they're mm-hmm. that they're doing. Um, so you're having to do a lot of documentation. Uh, there's some others, like if you have an accident, you have to report it. You have yeah. to do pre-flight checks and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are all things that small uh, manned aircrafts have to do as well. Okay. So regardless, there is a uh, there is a license that they are yeah, there's proposing. Gonna, there's going to be a hurdle still, but it seems yes. not to be as large of a hurdle as people were fearing that was going to be yes. seeing what on the road what because, was happening uh, because originally when these were more uh, draconian uh, proposals that came out I want to say 10 months ago yeah it was you had to get a full on pilot's license right. which meant that you had to do you had to actually get you had to go and have <laughs> pilot training you had mm-hmm. to go and fly, you had to a, fly plane. a plane yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, and, you know, the cost of that is several thousands of dollars. Now, mm-hmm. my dad was a pilot long ago, a private uh, oh, private cool. plane pilot. He went through the whole thing, uh, took him about a year and a half to go through everything to get all of his flight time in. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, it wasn't as expensive. Today, it's you're looking at three to five thousand dollars minimum to get your pilot's license. Mm-hmm. When this proposal came up nine months ago, I went and looked and found that the license that they're um, looking at requiring for all un- uh, unmanned vehicle operators is you can get them for between three hundred and a thousand dollars to do that, to do and that, that was with like all the training. And that the were, yeah, there's and... actually a school if you and I forget where it is. I think it's out of Florida. Mm-hmm. They actually have online versions of their their testing, but basically they are a flight school for UAV operators. Gotcha. And gotcha. they've been around for several years doing this. Interesting. So um, you know that you, you know again. $1,000 just to make sure that you can fly is great. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. You know, the the first part of this FAA document is basically just, well, duh kind of things. Sure. Like, don't fly over 100 miles an hour. Don't go uh, over 500, 500 feet, feet altitude. Yeah. That's yeah. way up there. The thing that freaked me out, though, was this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of this has come back up into light because uh, it died off for a while between, uh, I want to say, October and December. Mm-hmm. But it fired back up again when the uh, that drunkard uh, crashed his 
DJI Phantom into sure. the White House lawn. Yeah, not that, never something good. Well, happen. and and I'm not and I'm not casting dispersions. The guy came out and said he was he was inebriated yeah. and thought it was a good idea to go buzz the White House <laughs> with his drone. Dumb. Yeah, uh, and so that's why this stuff has has popped back sure. up again. You are regardless. So. What happened then was I saw a, a, a headline on Friday that basically says DJI has disabled all of their aircraft. And I was like, what? Um, and then I read further and basically what they've said is I believe it's now a 15 mile radius around the White House mm. or Washington, D.C. You, It's a no fly zone. So um, and they have done this over the last I want to say two years, DJI, which is the. I mean, there's a lot of, of personal drone manufacturers out there, but DJI has become very popular over the sure. last couple of years because of their Phantom and now their um, uh, the S900, which are, I mean, the S900 is, I want to say it's a, it would fill up the bed of a pickup truck if the wings were completely de- deployed. Oh, wow. I mean, it's fairly big. I mm-hmm. mean, it's um, four feet across. Is it one at the school? Yeah. There okay. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, and I flo- it. yeah, it's pretty and big. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty it. big. And, um, it's like a small child. It is a small child. It weighs about <laughs> yeah. the cost of a uh, weight of a small child. I mean, uh, it probably cost as much as a small child. Probably, it's a little bit more than a small child. Costs, <laughs> I think. So, what DJI has done over the last couple of years is they've been releasing these firmware updates that have limited how high up you can fly mm. in the air, based on how close you are to an airport. Oh, interesting. And so, um, national airports like. KCI, Denver mm-hmm. International, JFK, those kinds of things. You can't even fly if you're within a mile of those airports. Oh, wow. And then from there, the ev- elevation goes up to like 500 feet, 1,000 feet. I think 1,000 feet is where it topped out at. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you, you kind of have this cone that descends to zero the closer you get to an airport. And there's actually supposedly a limitation for the Hayes Regional Airport as well. Okay. Uh, it's not, I mean. Probably I'm pretty close. It's pretty close, but also I'm not flying my aircraft above you know, 500 oh, feet. No. I mean, that's, yeah. that's up there. That's I mean, a DJI Phantom is about a foot and a half, two feet across. Right. The thing is white. Mm-hmm. It's got flashing lights on it, but you get it up into the sky, 100, 100, 200 feet. You can't You're see gonna it. it. Yeah. You're going to lose it. And so I, you know, the cost I pay on this, when I say I'm white knuckling it, I am mm-hmm. scared to death every time I fly these things. Cause I don't want to lose that funding. Yeah, sure. When I was asked to go and, uh, pilot the, uh, the drone that the university has, um, for the homecoming festivities, yeah. I was flying it down Main Street mm-hmm. during the parade. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm 100 feet back on a side street uh, watching the drone, which is one of the things that they said that you had to have visual line of sight, right. which I was. But still, you can't see above the people standing along the street. And the guy who's operating the uh, camera, the pan tilt mm-hmm. of the camera, he was like, oh, hover it right there. Can you bring it down a little more, a little more, a little more and stop right there? Come to find out. Uh, we were piloting the drone like 10 feet above Bob Dole's head. Oh, no. <laughs> and there's a great shot because he's looking up and he's waving at the drone uh-huh. and everything. And they used it. It's in, it's in their footage. Oh, I'm, good. I'm really pleased with the – and I've shared some of the footage mm-hmm. uh, that I've shot up on my uh, own personal uh, website, stephenschleicher.com, and on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. I love flying it. There's, it's just – there's something about the aerial footage that is so special and so different. Yeah. And I really, really like it. And there's always going to be boneheads. So here's here's what I was getting to about the DJI putting out the uh, firmware update. Sure. If you don't update your firmware on your drone and it's working fine, guess what? None of those restrictions, regu- are, none of those restrictions yeah. are going to be put in there. Sure. 
So there's still a lot of outs on that. Yeah. Or if you reset the firmware back to its factory defaults, still there, there you go. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, you're not going to have that in there. So mm-hmm. there's a ways around that. And there's always going to be dumb heads and boneheads like this guy that was flying. I guess he was a government uh, worker, oh, if I remember correctly. That are going to do dumb things like this. Mm-hmm. You can't get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I w- you know, and especially with the release and everyone drooling over the new um, DJI drone, and I forget what the name of it is. Um, I slipped my mind. There's going to be a lot more people who want to buy that because of the um, aerial shots that they can get for their productions. Sure. I mean, can you think about it? I mean, how many car local car commercials have you seen where it is? shot of the lot from ground level. Oh, yeah. Take that up Take that up 50 feet. Mm-hmm. 50 feet is all you have to take it up. And look at how much different that would be yeah. and how much production value that adds to your commercial. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to be made. But right now, with the current regulations, it's illegal for you to do it and make money off right. of it. So... Uh, Without going through and getting a license. Sure. And FFA, it's someone I read, they think about maybe a year until these proposed... Regulations They've could been saying that get for going. Over a year, yeah. uh, these new ones. Um, so, do you think this is a positive step for the FFA? Do you think they're on the right track here? Do you think there's still some work that needs um, to be done to be I th- I beneficial to the the public and to productions well, and then small productions okay. as, as so well? This is really big. So, the first yeah, thing sure. is, um, yes, I like the fact that they are asking people to get a license. Mm-hmm. I can go out and buy a drone. And I don't ever have to go get a license. Mm-hmm. Just because I buy the drone, it doesn't come with a requirement of you have to show proof of this license before you can buy this drone. Mm-hmm. So there's people who are going to be doing, quote unquote, breaking the law that mm-hmm. way. Uh, second thing is, I still think that this is a great benefit for um, for production, especially yeah. small budget production. But this is where the conspiracy theory comes okay, in. Okay, give it to me. I own my helicopter. Mm-hmm. I own the, the gyro gimbal mount. I'm charging people $8,000 a day, and I'm in high demand. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, these drones come out, and I'm essentially out of work. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a ear with the FAA because I'm a licensed pilot, and all of my other licensed pilot buddies are now talking about all the terror of having these little drones flying around. It's pretty easy, and we've seen this happen before with the music industry, with the film industry, with piracy and all this stuff. It's pretty easy to get somebody on a rant saying, hey, man, we're going to be out of work. We're losing all these millions of dollars each year because of these drones. Do something about this stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So part of me also wants to say that there are a group of people who have got together to lobby uh, their legislatures uh, to ban these drones because it's, it hurts their business. So instead of oh, trying yeah. to compete, mm-hmm. they'd rather create a law oh, yeah, to force people out. I don't think that's too much of a conspiracy theory. I think that pretty much lines up with the way business is done and yeah. how, how laws are passed. Right. <laughs> no, no. Now, I, I really think people need training on these things. Mm-hmm. I've got just over 200 hours of flight time uh, over the last couple of years. Um, it's all documented, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have any problem with that. But I really think people need to have some training, even if it's simple training. And I worked with the students down there. Apparently, the students are flying it now themselves. I'm not, I, I'm not going to say for sure yes or no on that. So treat that as a rumor. But I wouldn't fly it. They have not asked me since uh, November to come fly for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that they're having somebody else down there do it. Sure. But throughout the whole process of them shadowing me, I was walking them through everything they needed to know about the aircraft how to fly it, the safety concerns, what to do, what not to do, all that stuff. So I feel they have a modicum of training. Mm-hmm. They're just not licensed for that. Sure. Uh, neither am I. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going by my experience and what you should and shouldn't do with the aircraft. Mm-hmm. But I think you're always going to have dummies. 
Um, I like the, there was an article, what, in the Hollywood Reporter, mm-hmm. where they were interviewing a, um, a director of photography. Right. And he, they were saying, oh, well, you shot all this stuff with drones. Uh, you know, is this the wave of the future? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is. My fear is that people are going to use this as a crutch and that everybody, everybody is going to start using yeah, be these like drones cliche. in production. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, he's right, because he points out that once the Steadicam was introduced, everybody started using the Steadicam. Mm-hmm. Once the shaky cam was introduced, everybody started using the shaky cam. Yeah. My concern is that people are going to try to use drones in place of a Steadicam. And I had to have a big discussion with somebody recently um, because they were essentially using their drone as a steady cam, wanting to fly it all the way. You know, the, it was a soccer shot we were doing. Mm-hmm. And he wanted the drone to fly back and forth between these soccer players. And I was not really comfortable with mm-hmm. that. We shot it. It was none of it was usable mm-hmm. because the drone just was not that maneuverable. Yeah. And afterwards, I was like, you know, this would have been better with a steady cam shot because you wanted this at eye level, essentially. It could have been done with a steady cam, yeah. and they have a steady cam. So, yeah, I, I, I worry that people are going to use this as a catch-all for a quick out for a steady cam or sitting up a dolly track or those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So, or a crane. I mean, sure, you always you're always going to run into people <laughs> yeah, like here's, that. Here's the thing, uh, you know, I don't hear anybody complaining about a crane going up in the air and shooting a shot of <laughs> of the city. Right? Uh-huh. There's no there's no concerns about uh, invasion of privacy there. No. Right? Yeah. So why would a drone that's flying up as high be any different? Uh, Adam Carolla tells a great story when he was doing his movie The Hammer. Um, They were doing this crane shot. It wasn't a helicopter shot, but it was a crane shot at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. that shoots straight up uh, and does nice, you know, from the, it was a love story and they're kissing at the end and it raises up and you see the whole LA scene. And what they didn't know is that the people across the street we're just walking around naked. <laughs> guy walking around with his wiener. On. And they didn't catch that. Yeah. The guy didn't complain. He didn't have a problem with it either. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this invasion of privacy <laughs> issue with a drone is somewhat problematic, especially when one of the, um, one of the proposed regulations is, uh, where is it? Okay, small unarmed aircraft may not op- operate over any person not directly involved with the operation. Oh, yes. That is the one that's most troubling. Because that's a very strange one. If I am flying over, if I'm just, and I've done this many times, there's a footage in my book uh, that I wrote for uh, Adobe of me flying over my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm flying on the street so that, you know, I'm flying over the street to avoid any of these kind of confusions mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. any kind of uh, questionable content. But there's people who are out walking on a public sidewalk. Yeah. I can't fly it as long as there's people in, in a public area. I mean, that's yeah. really, that really is, uh, dummies are going to be dummies. Be, I, mean, I mean, is that just gonna, common sense sure. stuff should tell people what they should and shouldn't do with, with these aircraft. Yeah. Is, it, is that just going to be one of those things where uh, we're filming in a mall and like if you put up a sign, you walk past this point, you Probably. are, you are uh, giving us your... Uh, but that's not the case with these drones. Thing. That's not the case with these drones. Right, these I mean, drones are meant to be deployed quickly and easily. Sure. Get your shot, get in, get out with minimal disturbance to mm-hmm. the area. Yeah. If people are doing it right. Yeah. So there you go. There I we know. go. I, I, I'm in favor of it. I just wish people had more training. I'm not in favor of just regulation for regulation's sake. Sure. But if people are required to go through some kind of training... Mm-hmm then I'd be fine with that. Do you think it would have been better if there would have been no regulation at all? I think you would have more people, I think you would have more of the public freaked out by, so here's the thing. Public's freaked out. They hear the FAA is going to propose these rules. 
They know that people, the rule is people who are flying their unmanned drones are supposed to have a license and are supposed to be okay. Mm -hmm. A year later, nothing happens. Let's say nothing happens. But the last thing in uh, Cat Lady's Mm -hmm. mind is that, oh, those government people has made sure that nobody's going to invade my privacy. Now when she's outside and she sees a drone flying over, she's going to go, oh, that person must Mm -hmm. be okay because they have their license to do this. How do you know? You're not. But there's this weird mindset of, mm-hmm. oh, because that person is, is operating and I know that they were, sure. they were supposed to have a license, then everything must be okay. <laughs> you drive down the highway, do you worry yeah, that the no. person next to you isn't uh-uh. a licensed person to drive a car? So, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, I think just getting the word out there and saying that there's going to sure. be regulation eases a lot of people's minds. Whether they put it into place will be a different matter because, as I said, this has been going on for three or mm-hmm. four years now as far as talk about the regulations. Sure. Um, it may be yeah. another three I don't or four think years be before something's actually approved. <laughs> Probably not. I, I like talking about drones. Like yeah. I said, I've got two of them. I've, I've flown a big one. I think they're wonderful. They can be, use, they can be great tools in storytelling. But they're not out there to do stunts and they're not out there to terrorize people and they're not out there mm-hmm. to do um, – to spy on people and to shoot some girl right. laying out in her backyard. That's not what they're there for, at least from the pure production standpoint. Thanks again to Stephen for jumping back onto the show this week. I did some checking. I want to give you some stuff that I looked up. The center photographer that we talked about who alluded to that maybe the drone shot could become cliche before it really takes flight. That was John Bailey, who work you have probably seen in Ordinary People, or American Gigolo, or The Big Chill, or The Accidental Tourist, or As Good As It Gets. I don't know sure if I've actually seen any of those, uh, but he was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter, uh, and that's where he gave his thoughts about the drone, because he just used it in his most recent film. Uh, I did some checking on when Stephen talked about the filming of farmland and farms and countrysides. I had a personal interest in this, mainly because, you know, I do that every once in a while out in the summer. So I really wanted to check to make sure, am I doing anything illegal when I jump off the side of the road and start shooting some films? From the best I can see, what I think Stephen was referencing are these ag-gag laws that have been passed in many states, a lot in the Midwest and some out west. Uh, But basically, those are to restrict the undercover videos uh, of organizations trying to show animal cruelty in a farm place. Kansas has its own version of these ag-gag bills. It is called the Farm Animal and Field Crop and Research Facilities Protection Act, which was passed all the way back in 1990. Now, this specifically states that it prohibits people from damaging or harming farm and agricultural research facilities. So not quite the same as this filming of farm practices, specifically undercover filming these to expose possible uh, ill treatment towards animals. So I did some more Googling just to make sure, is there anything I'm missing about this filming of the farmland? And as far as my Google and Wikipedia searches can go, I haven't found anything like that. So if you know of any uh, laws, maybe in your state, maybe you live in Kansas, you really point me in the right direction, or just uh, at your state, if you know of any laws like this, specifically about just filming farmland or uh, country land, prairies in general, Uh, certainly shoot that information my way because I would love to know about it before I go out and do that again uh, next time. We also talked about drones flying over houses and how the new FAA uh, regulations will prohibit people from flying over people not involved with the production. Uh, I found this article from Business Insider 
about a website called noflyzone.org. And what it seems is you can punch in your home address to noflyzone.org and it will upload it to the databases of uh, certain uh, drone manufacturers, tech drone manufacturers who are working with noflyzone and they will actually do a patch for uh, their software to uh, disable drones from flying over your land. Which I think is pretty interesting and I guess, I mean, I have some, I guess I have some, just, I understand where they're coming from, that uh, people want the privacy, and if they're scared about drones, um, then this would be a great way for them. But I think, man, if everyone just starts loading up their GPS coordinates to the site, you're not going to be able to fly a drone anywhere. But I guess almost you would be uh, breaking the law uh, if those FAA regulations are passed. So go to noflyzone.org. If you would like to let your get your house listed like the White House as a no-fly zone. The Oscars are this weekend, if you are listening right when the podcast comes out. Uh, Sunday, big night for films. A lot of awards will be given out. Best picture, best director, best cinematography, best editing, best foreign film, best animated film, best short film, live action, best short film animated. Uh, best sound design, best song, best score. Is that a thing? I'm not really sure. Uh, so a lot of rewards will be given out. Many we won't actually see given out. There'll be honorary awards, science achievements, all sorts of good good prizes to recognize the people working in the film industry this year. Will you be watching the Oscars? I will. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy award shows. I think they're kind of fun. Uh, I get I I understand the appeal of them appeal of them, and I join in the camaraderie of you know watching it and talking about it online. Uh, big winners for the Oscars. I am going to predict Boyhood will walk away with a lot of hardware by the end of the night. I also think I think the Grand Budapest Hotel is going to walk away with a few awards. I think Whiplash will probably get something. But I think Boyhood, uh, if, I mean, if the uh, Golden Globes or anything, uh, uh, as a guide to who will be winning a lot of Oscars, Boyhood is certainly up there. And then Birdman, I think Birdman's been making a strong showing as of late for the films. Um, I think Best Song will go to Glory from Selma. It will win one of the awards that it's nominated for, even though it got snubbed in a couple of them. Uh, so, you know, Oscars always marred in snubs and political controversy uh if you want to get ready for the oscars over on fandor's blog site called keyframe they've uploaded this like 30 page pdf uh, you can read online it's in, a, in a nice little magazine format it's called the alternate guide for the award season if you open it up it'll go through a lot of award snubs back from the early days of the oscars and also goes through who would have won some oscars before the oscars were even a thing and it goes through a lot of you know the silent era the silent era the mid-century snubs and now the nominees uh but it talks about uh, they made it to the party but really should they have won uh, a couple different films and then they give video evidence for Oscar 2015 on who they think deserves to win i think it's an interesting i'm gonna give it a little skim through this weekend before i take part of the oscars totally check out fandor that's another streaming service uh, kind of like netflix for on-demand movies that you know aren't as known they do a wider stretch of film a lot of uh, foreign films, a lot of uh, smaller indie films and experimental 
uh, avant-garde kind of films over there. I think they have a really interesting site. I haven't actually signed up for a subscription yet. Really thinking about doing it. If anyone from Fandor is listening, hey man, shoot me a bone. <laughs> throw me a throw me a bone and uh, get me a, a free subscription, maybe just for a month. I don't know, just saying. Uh, but I, I think it's a really interesting site. You should totally check it out if you're into smaller types of films. But maybe you don't want to watch the Oscars this weekend. Maybe you want to skip them and watch a film instead. Uh, the Black Blackout for Human Rights is offering a free black movie screenings this Sunday in L.A. The Blackout for Human Rights is that um, group. They did the ban or the uh, a boycott, I guess I should say, of Black Friday uh, last October. They did a staged reading of Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing, and they have a series of ongoing protest videos along with events and protests across the country about uh, you know racial inequality. Uh, they will be doing a screening uh, in Litmer or Light Limert Park. I don't, I'm not from Los Angeles. I don't know how to pronounce the parks. Uh, it is in Los Angeles this Sunday on February 22nd. Doors will open at 5:30. They will be screening uh, Fruitville Station in middle of nowhere. Fruitville Station is that Michael B. Jordan, who will be playing uh, the, the, the Human Torch in the upcoming Fantastic Four film. I've heard really, really good things about Fruitvale Station. I know it's up on iTunes. I don't know if it's on Netflix yet, uh, but I've been meaning to watch it. It seems uh, it's got a lot of really good buzz about it. They said Michael B. Jordan is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Middle of Nowhere seems to have a high rating. It's got an A-, according to IndieWire, with 16 critics coming in on that. So if you want to skip the Oscars, maybe watch a few films, I think this would probably be a good, good time to go uh, grab, a, grab a film in the park in L.A. I'm going to guess it's going to be pretty nice there, a lot nicer in the Midwest or back in Boston where they have like 400 feet of snow. The Sunday's event is free and open to the public, and so they say, for those of you miffed about the lack of black film recognition at this year's Academy Awards, here's your chance to see black movies celebrated. Sounds like a fun night. I wish more things would happen like that where I'm from. So if you're going to be following the Oscars, uh, certainly send a tweet to me. I will certainly be watching. We can discuss about all the snubs and all of the winners. Maybe we can even do that on the Zach on Film subreddit. And if you're in L.A., you're going to go to this. Totally shoot me a a tweet or an email. Tell me how it is. I really would like to know what kind of turnout these kind of events have, especially, uh, you know, uh, in L.A. during a big event like the Oscars. And would you look at that, the ending of another episode of Zach on Film. I enjoyed the talk with Steven. Again, thanks to him for coming on the show. Hope you guys enjoy the Oscars if you're watching, or hope you enjoy whatever else you do on Sunday evening. Uh, If you would like to contact me about any of the articles we've discussed, uh, speaking of the articles, you can always click on those down in the show notes. You can find those on your podcast player or over at Majorspoilers.com on that podcast posting page. You know, click and read all the stories for yourself. Take my word for it. Read it for yourself. If you want to contact me about anything we've discussed on this show or any shows past, uh, hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at ZWolf, Wolf with two O's. You can send me an email if you prefer that, prefer a longer message. I've got some really good one of those. I'm really, really happy I have that set up for you guys to contact me that way. My email address you can contact me at is Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Majorspoilers.com. Find a lot of articles like these discussed and even more over on the Zach on Film subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash Zach on Film. Subscribe there. 
uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a great place to have a lot of in-depth conversations about film articles and the podcast. I think it's going to be a really cool place to just hang out and talk about film. That's what I want this whole experience to be, a place we can really dig down deep into film and the film news and the film industry. We can just have a whole lot of fun doing it if you have the time and if you're thinking about it give us a rating on itunes you know uh, let us know what you think about that let the world know what you think about zach on film it would sure make my heart sing and skip in the rain for the happiness so that's it that's done for this week's episode of zach on film we'll see you next week podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.